This is B. This is Harper. And this is Mother Gothel. And you're listening to no. The Estrogen Effect. Um, we're running a little late this week cause you know, life things happen and yeah. everything. So, um, so last time we talked about, who did we talk about? Tubman. No, that was yours. But then after Harriet Tubman, who did we talk about? Florence Nightingale. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Remember Florence? No. So, <laughs> what was your favorite part, Brinley? Mm-hmm. When she came in and the. Male doctors were like, no, I don't like you. And then she was like, too bad, you need me. Yeah, yeah, she showed them. Mm-hmm. You know what? Women can do some pretty awesome things, can't they? Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you going to ask me? Yeah, what was your favorite part? I don't know, I don't remember anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Harper. <laughs> How about she, oh, so cesspool, remember when I said the hospital was in a cesspool? And, you know, my brain doesn't work very good. So cesspools basically is like a sewer. Like, yeah, it's just a sewer. So, I mean, the hospital was sitting on a pile of just, yeah, Yeah. human excrement and stuff. So Also, it was human. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Got to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. I think we're good just assuming it was poop. Um, so we are coming at you actually from my bedroom, like we wanted to for a while and Harper's able to get up and down the stairs. So that worked a lot better and, uh, don't mind the sounds outside because it is a beautiful 82 degrees outside and humid and a thunderstorm is coming. Good old, (laughs) good old rule Wisconsin weather. So, um, so this week, um, and another reason why it's kind of late is I struggled with this one. I struggled like I did with Harriet's. The stories are sad and it's, like I said, it's uncomfortable to read about and talk about. Um, and I think the reason why this story affected me more is because it's a young girl and me being a mother with children. How um, we'll, we'll find out. So the person we talk about did die, but she died when she was 15. So that's close to your guys' age. And um, I think that's why it was kind of hard reading about it and stuff. So, so this one will actually end up being two parts because there was so much information and I didn't want to leave it out. And I really wanted to, you know, go in depth with, with what life was like for her and um, her people. That looks like a During book. World War II. So Brinley picked our next person. And who did you pick, Bryn? Anne Frank. Remember who Anne Frank is? No. Oh Anne Frank. God. So most people know, not everybody, but Anne Barbara. Frank uh, was a young girl. So when she was 13, 
they went into her family went into hiding because it was during World War II. Oh remember the, like holo- the Holocaust? Yes. Now I remember they hid. Yes. So she hid on her thir- or around her thirteenth birthday, and um, shortly before they went hiding, she had a or she received a red and white plaid diary, which she wrote in, which is where we've got the famous writings from her. And we got to hear about what life was like for them during the Holocaust. So, yeah. So now we're going to talk about Miss Anne Frank. All right. Huh? Sorry, you keep hearing my ankle crack. You know, I'm getting old, so yeah. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. Let's hope it's not your bone. Huh? Let's hope it's not your bone. Well, let's A hope bone it's not. Bone cracking does not sound like that. I think you should know. It's actually air inside stroke. of your bones, and when you crack it, it's actually air, and it's actually you're supposed to do that because it's relieving for your. Not in your bone, in your joints, probably is what you're thinking. What? Your <laughs> your joints. You don't want to crack your bone. No, like yeah, the yeah. air. You want to crack. Like your knuckles and stuff is air. Like Harper, you're making an intellectual conversation. Don't. Stop. All right. All right. I'm sure these guys don't want to listen to you two fighting. Very entertaining. Yeah. All right. So on June 12th, 1929, Anne Frank was born in Frankfurt, Germany. Her full name was actually, and I hope I say this, Anne Lies. Anne Lies. So it's Anne with L-I-E-S on the end. Annelies, maybe? Annelies? I don't know. Annelies? Marie Frank. Um, Her parents were Edith Hollander Frank, and her father was Otto Frank. Now, her dad was a lieutenant during the, or lieutenant in the German army during World War I. So if you think about it, you know, her dad lived through World War One and World War Two. So World War One was from nineteen fourteen to nineteen nineteen. He worked for Germany. He thought they were Jews. What? So oh World War One. He was in the German army. Okay. Not all Germans were Nazis. Not oh. all Germans were Nazis, exactly. And we're going to emphasize that. Well, greatly. I know that. Nazis I just come from Germany. The Holocaust happened during the Second World War, not the first. So the First World War um, ended in 1919. And, you know, he was a lieutenant in the German army during the war. And the Franks were actually, they considered an upper middle class family. They were a German Jewish family and they lived in a quiet neighborhood that had a great religious diversity, meaning people from all walks of life and religions and stuff. and, um, And they lived in the outskirts of Frankfurt. She also had a sister. Her name was Margot. Although I saw some places it was it said Margaret, so I don't know if she was Margot for short. It's Margot. Is it Margot? Um, and she was three years older than her. And like I said before, on her thirteenth birthday is when Anne received that infamous or not infamous. I don't want to say infamous. Good grief! That famous diary um, that she used to journal her experience, and that was actually later titled the Diary of Anne Frank, which has been read by. Millions, including me. Yep. You read it? Yeah. Mom got it for me. The actual book? No. No, not her actual diary. There's no way I gotta have that. No. <laughs> so, um, th- th- when she started writing in her diary, ooh, hear that thunder? Ooh. <gasps> 
So when she began writing in her diary, the day she got it, I just wanted to read what she wrote. So this is what she wrote it the day she received it. She said, I hope I will be able to confide everything to you as I have never been able to confide in anyone. And I hope you will be a great source of comfort and support. So that's what she wrote in her diary when she got it. I remember that. So after World War One, World War One was ended by... Remember what, there's something that they did called the Treaty of Versailles. Mm -hmm. And that was signed on June 20th, 1919. But due to that treaty, there's a lot of um, controversy with that treaty because um, the German economy struggled greatly because of that, because the treaty forced the Germ, um, forced Germany and other central powers to take all the blame for World War One. That ended up making them lose. They lost a bunch of territory, um, their military forces were reduced and they had to pay reparation payments. So they had to pay back um, the allied powers. They had to pay back everybody for, you know, things that happened. So because of this, you know, the economy was not great. Unemployment was high and poverty, poverty was really severe in Germany. During the late 1920s and early 1930s, that is when the anti-Semitic National German Socialist Workers Party, other than I know, otherwise known as the Nazi Party, mm-hmm. led by Adolf Hitler, became Germany's leading political force. And they won control of the government in 1933. Now, Hitler, um, he hated the Jewish people. He blamed them for all the problems in the country. And like we said, not all people in Germany were... Nazis, but he took advantage of the fact that there were some people in Germany that believed that the Jewish people were to blame for everything. So he kind of used that to his advantage to grow his, his hatred and stuff. I heard that he blamed them. I heard that people would say that, oh God, where am I going with this? People said that, um, people in Germany would use the Jews as a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they blamed everything on them. Yeah, it was horrible. So due to the hatred of the Jewish people and the economic situation wasn't good, Hitler became the chancellor of Germany. The Frank family decided, you know, it's, we got to leave. We got to leave Germany. It's not safe for us because, like I said, remember, they were a German-Jewish family. And um, Otto later recalled... Now, remember, Otto's the only one in the family that survived. Mm-hmm. So um, he said that he can remember it that as early as 1932, so this was a year before Hitler became chancellor, he says storm, groups of stormtroopers, that's what they called some of the like Nazi police, mm-hmm. came marching by singing when Jewish blood spatters from the knife. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, God. Yeah. So by the fall of 1933, Otto moved to Amsterdam, Netherlands. And he said, you know, this really hurt him deeply because he realized that Germany was not the world and he had to leave his country forever. So, you know, where he grew up, he had to leave. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Anne actually stayed behind with her grandmother in German and joined her parents and her sister in February of 1934. So they went before her and then she came a little bit later. So life in... um, Amsterdam was actually good. So she began going to the Amsterdam Sixth Monastery School in 1934. So right away when she got there, 
And throughout the rest of the 1930s, she lived a happy life, a normal childhood. She felt at home. She learned the language. She became, um, she had lots of new friends. And her dad uh, worked really hard to get his business off the ground, but it wasn't easy. And he tried to set up a company in England. It fell through. But then things looked up when he started to sell herbs and spices in addition to pectin, which is a substance that makes jam, like thickens up jam so it could be spreadable or whatever. Um, and then Frank actually, so Anne described the circumstances in her diary. She said, because we're Jewish, my father immigrated to Holland and he became the managing director of the Dutch Opecta company. So he became a director of a company after they moved out of Germany. So things were looking looking up for them. Things were good. You know, that was a scary thing to flee and they were very happy. So um, on September 1st, 1933, so this would have been, what, five years after Anne went to the Netherlands. So she was 10 years old at the time. Nazi Germany invaded Poland. And that's when World War II began. And then not long after that, in May of 1940, they invaded the Netherlands. So they kind of worked their way towards her. And five days after they invaded the Netherlands, the Dutch army surrendered. And um, what are you looking for? My things. (laughs) They disappeared. Oh, Um, And Anne actually said, after May 1940, so this is when the Dutch army surrendered. She goes, the good times were few and far between. First there was war, then the capitulation, and then the arrival of the Germans, Germans, which is when the trouble started for the Jews. So in October 1940, the Nazis started um, introducing lots of laws and regulations that made the lives of Jews very, very, very difficult. It doesn't make any sense. Like, the Jews didn't even do anything wrong. I I know. That's why this is so incredibly disgusting. They just had, I don't know. I don't know why they even began thinking like that, but a lot of people felt like that, and they... Because lots of Jews had um, different... Oh, my God. Where am I going with this stuff? Different... You know, honestly, if you if you look at history way, 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 way back, a lot of conflicts came from religion, 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 people not agreeing on religion and they couldn't respect each other's religion and they would fight over it. So this is kind of, yeah. Um, So all these laws and regulations, they imposed a strict curfew on them and actually prohibited Jews from entering certain areas in the cities. So they could no longer visit parks. They couldn't go to cinema, so, you know, movie theaters, or non-Jewish shops. Her father lost his company because Jewish people were no longer allowed to run their own business. Yeah. Um, But he actually managed to keep control of his company because he signed ownership over to two of his Christian associates. So they were Joe Kleiman and Victor Kugler, and they continued to um, kind of officially own the business, but he ran it, um, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. Jewish children had to go to separate Jewish schools, so they were segregated. Um, And there was food rationing. 
So they were only allowed certain rations and they were only allowed, so they were only allowed certain amounts of food, certain types of food, and they were only allowed to shop during certain periods of time. So they were really restricted in just like their daily functioning. What if they had a big family? They, they didn't care. So this is what these people had to live with. And then they also demanded that um, the Jewish people relinquish property that they said would be essential to the war efforts. So they made them hand over their radios, cameras, bicycles, electrical appliances, and other valuables. So that was just another way to make them more and more vulnerable because they wouldn't have those things. So in September 1941, there was a decree that prohibited them from using public transportation. And then um, Jewish people over the age of six had to wear the yellow Jewish star. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. On their outermost garment. So meaning they had to wear it on the outside. So if they walked by, they could say, oh, you're Jewish. And then they could, you know, make sure that they were following all these ridiculous rules and everything. Wait, how would they be able to tell, like, if they're Jewish or not? Like officially, I yeah. Um, at the you could so easily at lie. the Jewish um, places of worship, um, they usually had the like a list of all the names of the people oh, who attended there. Mm-hmm. So, so they would use that the to Nazis find out. Nazis could just use the list to find out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so they actually had really strict residence regulations. That means it forced them to live in certain areas of, so they took all their rights away. They took, you know, you can only shop here. You can only have this much food. We're taking all this stuff away. And now they're saying you can only live in these certain areas. And they kind of, um, you know, they forced them into labor, but then they put them into homes. They call them Jewish homes and they would just put them all together in this small area because then they could control them better. It was all about control. Um, So it started like that, but then they started to believe, the Nazis believed that by annihilating um, people of Jewish descent and other groups, so this included, so it wasn't, I mean, the Jewish people were the largest part of Oh yeah, I remember that. The Holocaust didn't only kill Jews, it also harmed um, disabled people. Yep. And um, gay people. Yep, gay people. And because Hitler wanted the perfect world. Mm -hmm. And in his perfect world, it was blonde eyes, blue eyes. So they called. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Oh my god. So I wouldn't survive. No. But you're American, so I. So they. um, What they said is they wanted to achieve a pure Aryan master race. So that they wanted to eliminate anybody that didn't look like them so that when people started having children, everybody all looked the same. Hitler they literally said. looks like us. Yeah, he, he does. He has brown hair, brown eyes. What? Actually, I, he's quite ugly. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're beautiful. Yes, no, we are. Um, so concentration camps, you know, you think are like a prison, but they were not like prisons because prisons are overseen by the judicial system. Like there's a review. Oh, do you hear that thunder? Wait, we're going to dig Harper, did you just imply that Hitler is prettier than you? No, I'm saying that he's uglier than us, but I want to say we're generally pretty. 
I think we are. Did you just call mom ugly? No, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> you, and you. you said we. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about me and you. Um, uh, don't don't drag mom into it. He's gorgeous. No. Well, thank you. You guys are beautiful too. No. Yes. No. <laughs> So people were forced in these concentration camps. They were um, subjected to forced labor, meaning they had no choice. They had them do hard labor. They did medical experiments. And then later on, they did the mass murders. This is like, um, for the experiments, I heard that some of them did experiments on twins for the most part. I don't remember their what? motive behind oh. doing it on the twins, but... To see if maybe they reacted to things. I reacted to things. They weren't thinking separately. rationally. They yeah. nah. it feels like the slavery thing all Yeah. hmm There's a lot of sick people in this world that got away with a lot of sick things and honestly there's people still doing it. So these concentration camps, there was like three main purposes of these concentration camps. They want to incarcerate people who the Nazis thought were a threat. What does incarcerate mean? So to put them, like imprison them. Oh. Yeah. Um, So these people, you know, they were incarcerated for indefinite amounts of time. There was no rhyme or reason to how they did their stuff. They wanted to eliminate individuals in small targeted groups of individuals because they could do it because they didn't, weren't overseen by a judicial system. They just were, it was like the Wild West out there. And they wanted to export, exploit labor from the prisoner population, basically get free manual labor. A classic case of... I, I would turn into a soldier and then help the Jews. Help the what? Jews. Yeah. A classic case of abusive power. Yes. So Nazi officials, so the first concentration camp, and I'm probably going to say this, Dachau, Dachau, Dachau. What's that say? Where? Dachau. Dachau, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Sorry if I mispronounced that. So on March 22nd, 1933. So this was pretty soon, remember, after he went into power, mm-hmm. right? This camp, actually, the first camp was for political prisoners. So these prisoners faced a lot of abuse and violence, but the deaths at these camps were very rare at the time. And actually they were released after a few weeks or months. And the fear of these camps actually started to make people stop resisting the Nazis, you know, cause you would have these small groups of resistance towards them. And because people were getting fearful and not resisting, um, there was less and less people in these camps or these prisons and by October 1934, so not very long after that started, the numbers in these concentration camps were so low that people thought, oh, maybe this is it. Like, there's not going to be any more. The camps are going to close because there's not many people, right? But good old Adolf, he wanted to keep the camps because he saw the benefits of lawless terror without oversight of courts or judges. He just liked the power. And he supported the creation of a permanent concentration camp system. And they use, they call them the SS, which is a, was a paramilitary organization, meaning they were a small group of military people that worked along with the Nazi military, I believe, if I'm saying that right. When I can't say Adolf Hitler, I call him a, warning, a power-hungry bastard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nope, that's exactly what he was. So the leader of the SS was Heinrich Himmler. Himmler. 
Um, and I saw different. Are you single? I don't know. So they operated and I saw different numbers. And this is the hardest thing is some numbers are hard to come by because we'll find out later. They like to destroy evidence of what they did because they didn't want. Yeah. They Mm. seem so proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know that you're, if you feel like you need to hide something from people, what you're doing is probably not good. So don't think it's good. Well, anyway, so what I saw a surprise birthday party. Still not well, good. <laughs> um, so they operated 20 main concentration camps. I saw somewhere 24. I saw somewhere that there was like a thousand little sub camps and stuff. There, there was one, one too many. Like there was just, they should have never been there. So um, these camps didn't operate all at the same time. And they would kind of change around. So like certain ones would be open at certain times. They would take old camps and rebuild them into specially built new ones. And these camp, this camp system spread beyond the German borders, stretching from like France to the Netherlands and West to Estonia. So it stretched a long area, Lithuania, Poland. So Auschwitz, which is the most notorious camp, uh, was set up actually seven years after the first camp was established. So it wasn't one of the first ones, but it was the deadliest one. It's the, the most notorious. The most hurt up. Yes. So in the early years of World War II, they, the Jewish people were sent to forced labor camps. So they basically just captured them, sent them to these camps, and they were forced to do manual labor. But from 1942 onward that's when um, they were sent to extermination camps. And they were sent because they were being told it was for resettlement. Like, we're going to send you here to settle somewhere else. You know, we're not going to live here. We're going to push you. So that's what the people... Extermination camps, like they're insects. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, And the most infamous, they call them German killing factories, were actually built in Poland. Because this is where most of the intended victims lived. Because Poland had the largest Jewish population in Nazi-controlled Europe, meaning in the areas that Nazi controlled. And these death camps were outside the borders enough where the German people wouldn't hear about it. Because they were trying to hide it. Because remember we said, not all people in Germany um, agreed with the Nazis' views. So they had to hide this from people, you know, because they were... Um, they he said that it was a good thing that he was doing, but then why are you hiding it? Why are you so scared I, of it? I know. That- I know. So remember when we were talking about um, they wanted to eliminate certain races, certain p- groups of people? Yes. So they had a name... For this, it was called the final solution. Oh, what? Yeah, nice. It was a Nazi plan for genocide of Jews during World War II. So, the final solution to the Jewish question was actually the official code name that they used for the murder of all Jews within reach, and it was not restricted to European continent. So, they were even saying. Jewish people that live in the United States, this applies to you too. They wanted they wanted to kill all all Jews in the mm-hmm. entire world. Yes, because they thought they could get away with it. Yep. Joke so, 
Last we're going to kind of talk about um, the camps. And I mean, it's, it's sad, but we need to talk about it. And I'll talk about in part two, there are some people that deny this even happened. So we need to say, <laughs> no, it did. <laughs> what? It did. And this is what happened. Why do people? I uh, will talk about it. No, those 18 million people did not. So during the initial phase of the final solution, um, there were gas vans and they produced poisonous exhaust fumes and they were developed in the Soviet Union, the USSR, at, uh. at the Kelmo, Kelmno extermination camp in occupied Poland before being used elsewhere. So they kind of created these killing vehicles. Jeez. And... They based this killing method off of a ex- uh, secret project that the SS did of involuntary euthanasia. So they had this secret project. Euthanasia? You know what? You know what involuntary means, right? Yeah. Like you didn't do it on purpose, right? And euthanasia is. Is that a new mole? So they. Inf- Stab! It's a freaking. What is that called? A pen mark, a freckle. Yeah, it's a freckle. Yeah. It's not a mole, freckle. So they they had this secret project where they involuntarily euthanized people and they're basing it off of that. So the six camps, there were six camps that they had that were considered to be purely for extermination. That's it. There was the Kalmno extermination camp, the Belzic extermination camp. Oh, I hate saying that, extermination camp. The, uh, the Sobibor extermination camp, Treplinka extermination camp, the Majdanek, I hope I'm saying that right, extermination camp, and then the Auschwitz extermination camp, which is actually also called the Auschwitz-Birkenau. Birkenau? Birkenau? Birkenstock. I'm going to have to start putting the pronunciation in these because I'm horrible at that. Um, So Auschwitz used cyanide-based pesticide. Pesticide, so pesticide like, is like poison that they use to kill like bugs and stuff like that. But they're not bugs. Except I, and they used it to kill train loads of prisoners. Yeah, but to Nazis, the minorities that they were killing off were basically they just saw them as pests. Inferior. Mm-hmm. Isn't that gross? Yeah. So, and that, you remember when I said they would say, okay, get on this train. We're going to relocate you somewhere else where you can settle somewhere else. So these people are on this train thinking they're just moving us somewhere and here they're taking them to be killed. Yeah. Yeah. They gave them false hope. So they use cyanide-based pesticide at Auschwitz at um, the camps at Treblinka, Belzec, and Sobibor. They use lethal exhaust fumes produced by large internal combustion engines. So like exhaust fume from these big engines and stuff, which is very deadly. And um, there's three killing centers of the Einsat Reinhard. They were constructed predominantly for the extermination of Poland's Jews. So they just built these big old buildings, you know, yeah. Um, So sadly, at first, you know, the bodies were buried, but then later they were exhumed and um, incinerated, meaning lit on fire because they were trying to do what with the evidence? They're trying to to hide the evidence. It's still okay, guys. It's still perfectly fine. (laughs) No. I heard that um, they would make 
the children, the women, and the weak go first because they had to use the strong men mm-hmm. for their labor. So Auschwitz was actually um, part of a labor camp. So Auschwitz and Majdanek actually had labor camps too. Some of these camps were just to you know to kill people. These ones had labor camps. So yeah, they would take people who were able to work and work them. Um, so these camps were all constructed near railway lines because at that time, what was the biggest mode of transportation was trains. 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 So they were all along this railway system and like staff for these camps would get off and on and kind of go on these trains back and forth between locations. And this is what would bring the people to the camps. And these camps were almost all designed identical. They had the kind of same design concept and with minimal housing and minimal support. So like food, anything. Oh my gosh, stop popping your toes. It's a popping toy. (laughs) So they would deceive the victims upon their arrival. They tell them that they were at a temporary transit stop. So when they stopped at these camps, they're like, this is just temporary. And then we're going to eventually move you to um, work camps farther to the east. And like B said, able-bodied prisoners. So people that were able to um, were not immediately killed and they were forced to help with the extermination process. So not only... And then they were killed. And they were... I'm just going to slap every single Nazi. I know. And kick them in the balls. <laughs> so they would have to help remove corpses from the gas chambers and help burn them. <laughs> and they were kept alive on starvation rations. So meaning they were kept alive on just enough to get them by. Um, and they had to work. You know, there was no rest. They just had to constantly work. And the more they kept working and less food while working, the fatigue caught up with them and they must have lost tons of weight. And once they were too weak to continue working, that's when they were killed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And remember... I wonder why. Remember we were talking about... sorry. Murdered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And remember we were talking about Florence and when she got to that military hospital and how it was just disgusting and it wasn't clean and... You know, the there was <clears throat> like Hitler Harbor. The concentration, the con, yeah, the concentration <laughs> camps were like that as well. Yes, yes. So people lived in squander, and I mean, a lot of them, <clears throat> you know, if they weren't murdered, a lot of them died from illness and just, you know, oh, just I just breaks my heart to think. It's still murder in my eyes. It's absolute murder, absolute. So, like I said, um, in May 1942, well, during the World War II, they decided they wanted to hide the evidence, like I had said. Um, And they conducted this project in secrecy. So from 1942 to 1944, they focused on concealing the evidence of mass murder. So they would have groups of German Nazi death camp prisoners. So prisoners, and they called them, I don't even know, Lycan commandos, corpse units, they were called. Corpse units? So they were, this group was used, they had to exhume the grave, so meaning they had to remove the bodies. Corpse units? They had to remove the bodies from the graves and burn them, and they were put in chains to prevent them from escaping, because can you imagine, I would try to run away. Those poor, they were forced to stay there and help. Forced to bury and burn their people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I can't imagine how traumatizing that must have been. For yep. Them. Well, and think about, remember with Harriet Tubman, when, um, you know, when a slave would try to run away and sometimes they would catch them and they would punish them in front of other slaves to show them this is what's going to happen to you if you don't listen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they beat these people down mentally, physically. I just, I can't imagine. So the estimated total number of people who were murdered at these six, the six Nazi extermination camps was 2.7 million people. That's a big chunk of people. So Auschwitz, which was the biggest one, 1.1 million people were killed there. So out of 2.7, 1.1 million people were killed at just one. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? We're going to go, that's going to be part one. I think we're going to stop there because, (laughs) so, um, you know, we're up to the point where these concentration camps were really going and, uh, next we're going to talk about kind of what happened with the Frank family and, um, their attempts to try to get out of, you know, get out of there, get out of that area because they knew what was happening and then um, talk about when they went into hiding and what happened after they were found. So that'll be part two because I'm looking at the time and we're getting past, we're getting pretty close to 40 minutes there. So kind of depressing. I know very depressing, very sad, but it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think sometimes and I'm guilty of it, everyone's guilty of it, how lucky and how entitled we are in life right now. And I know, and I'm seeing a lot of ugliness right now just because, you know, it's COVID. That's a, that's not a very fun subject, but, you know, people are worn down and they're at each other and, you know, they're fighting about all these things, but I think we kind of forget that we're able to be vocal about our beliefs and, and stuff, you know, whereas there's people that were torn down just because of her, their religion. You know, I don't think we understand how much freedom we have right now. I think I could say like, I'm behind a screen right now for the people watching this. I can say I'm a Satanist. And what? that is the truth. <laughs> Satanists, um, contrary to popular belief, Satanists do not actually believe in Satan mm-hmm. or God. Why is it called a Satanist? Because while we do not believe in Satan, we believe in his ideals. Mm-hmm. What is ideals from the Bible? What is his ideals from the Bible? I'll tell you off screen. <laughs> well, I'm, if we're saying what we believe in, then... Harper believes, Harper believes in clean eyeballs for all. There. Oh. <laughs> Harper 2024. Yeah. <laughs> Vote me for president. So I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, we need to read about this stuff and we need to learn about this stuff because. I'd rather vote for a duck. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing is, is we need to recognize that we're spoiled. We're so spoiled that people have suffered. People have given so much for us to get to this point. And I think sometimes we fight over the most frivolous things when people 
a hundred years ago were having to be herded like cattle to camps where they were murdered, murdered because of their religion or, you know, slavery when people were plucked from their home and taken across seas and forced to be a slave to just disgusting people. So I think it kind of makes us recognize how lucky we truly are. All right. So we'll be back next week with part two. Any parting words, ladies? I want to go to bed. (laughs) Give me the cat. (laughs) The cat's not in here. (laughs) My parting parting words would be, thank you for your words. Okay, bye. Okay. (laughs) No, you can can speak. I was going to say something stupid. (laughs) Say it. Go. I was going to say those weird things that I say to mom. What? Say it. God. Did you know that if you close your eyes, you can't Shut hear up. true or yes? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm going to go before these two beat each other up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just had a crack in someone's back. So since we started part one kind of late, you won't have to wait too long for part two because hopefully I can get that out. Um, in a couple of days, but in the meantime, you enjoy yourselves, be safe, be kind to each other. Harper. Don't go to bed at one o'clock. Trust me. It will help you. Yes. Go to 1 bed. 1 a.m. or 1 p.m.? Make sure that you get a good night's sleep. Eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Drink, <laughs> drink water. Try to exercise at least a couple times a week. This is for Ivy because they listen to this podcast every time. I love you. Eat three meals a day. Get tons of sleep. Bestie. (laughs) All right. Bye. So um, I'm going to put all the sources and everything in the show notes. And in the show notes, we will also have our email. If you want to email us any inspiring stories, if you have any corrections, if you just want to say, hey, um, email us at theestrogeneffect at gmail.com. And then we also have uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Oh, my God. The Estrogen Effect. I can get Twitter? <laughs> no. All right. Um, so check us out there. We'll post pictures and stuff. Um and we should make TikTok videos to promote our podcast. Oh. Hey, hey. I am a genius. Go. Albert Einstein. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey. It's not about boys. Hey, hey. Here we go. Women's rights. Here we go. There you go. All right. So we will see you next time, and we will get off the air here so you can get back to... Doing things that actually matter. Yes. <laughs> All right. Good. No. No. All right. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye.